Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hope Hotline. It is Friday. Hoping you had a fantastic week this week. It's almost the weekend. So um, hope you have some great plans for yourself um, to uh, enjoy. I know I will be. Hopefully, uh, going to take it easy this weekend. So, all right, I wanted to start out. Um, we've asked people when they've had um, like a praise report or something um, that uh, helped them with one of the questions, maybe a positive result, maybe um, it helped you understand something better. We've asked that if, if, if you've experienced anything like that, let us know. Let us know something good that's come from whatever question you had and the response. So we did get one, thank you very much. Um, it was to the question that asked about um, the person that had a, the eight-year-old uh, child that was sleeping in the bed all the time with them and um, what to do about that. So they, they wrote back, and uh, I wanted to share that with you, and I thank you very much for sending this in. You have no idea how much we appreciate it. It says, Thank you, Hope. After today's podcast, I added to our nightly prayers and asked Jesus to help him because uh, to help him become courageous enough to sleep in his own bed. He wants this so bad. He is very scared of the dark and under his bed. And we will work on it and get him LED lights to line, um, to line his ceiling. So um, you added the spiritual with the natural. That's really good. Because I think at, at, based on your uh, question, you thought that he was mainly, or maybe you knew, but... Um, that uh, it sounded like he was just used to being with you because of breastfeeding for so long. But in, in all actuality, he is just like my son who just had some a period of time where he was fearful. And uh, we prayed with him just like you did. And you'll get him through it. And it'll be way easier for him. And uh, no time. The fear will be gone. He'll be sleeping in his bed all the time. And um, it's a great idea about the lights. Um, I'm not a big night lighter, but hey, listen, ceilings on the lights, it's pretty cool. And you, he, you said he already had a cool room, so you're just adding to the coolness. It's not like, whatever. It's a great idea. So we're going to go to our first question. Um, and thank you for taking my advice. I really appreciate that. If anybody else uh, has, again, experienced anything positive, Send us an email, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you've actually gotten saved through watching the podcast or rededicated your life, let us know too. We want to be praying for you with that as well. So we're going to go to our first question. It says, can you explain what the age of innocence is, where it's found in the Bible, and what age it might be? Okay, the last podcast, I didn't know the annihilation theory. I had to figure that out. Um, which was really good. And I'm going to be honest with you too. The age of innocence, no idea. I didn't even know what it was. So, um, but I do now. So, um, the age of innocence is considered to be the time frame um, from the book of Genesis, from when Adam and Eve um, began to exist on the earth. So, from the moment they were placed on the earth, Adam was uh, placed on the earth and Eve, to the time that they sent. Okay, so it's the period between the time of existence to the time of falling. Um, and then they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. Eden. Uh, so basically, there's no, ex there's no sin that existed. There's no salvation that was needed. And it begins at creation in G Genesis. There is no age. So your question is, is where is it found in the Bible? I said Genesis. And what age it might be? There is no age. It's just all about Adam and Eve and the time between uh, their pure, uh, while they walked in the Garden of Eden, the purity that they had during that time where they didn't know that they were even naked um, to the time that they fell to the lie um, of the serpent, to the devil. So again, Adam and Eve creation to time that they fell. That's the age of innocence. There is no age like a number okay and it's found in genesis which we all know let's go to the next question is it biblical to say god opens and closes doors absolutely because he does and that's also in the word revelations 3 7 through 8 says these things says he and it, the word he is in 
and a capital H meaning God, Jesus. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. I see I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. So it opens and door, oh, closes doors. And also, if you look um, where it says, ask and it shall be given unto you, and it's in Matthew, ask and it shall be given unto you, seek and ye shall find, knock and the door will be open. There are doors. And the thing is, is um, I wouldn't pray that very often. Um, it's There's really no need to pray that God opens and closes doors that often. I think... Uh, I mean, if you don't trust hearing the voice of the Lord, then maybe you want to pray that. But a lot of times, that prayer is not really needed. Um, a lot of the times, that w what we should be doing, I mean, if it's a really big decision, maybe you do that. Um, like when we were buying this building, uh, we really sensed the Holy Spirit. Oh, when we bought this building, um, it wasn't even on the market. So we went from being in a... Uh, like a shopping center um, facility where we rented. It was at least uh, three, f I think it was five parcels in this little shopping strip. And um, it was like, I don't know, 7,500 square feet, something like that. So we, um, it would seem like it was a huge leap to buy, go and buy a building that's 52,000 square feet. In fact, um, it's probably the largest church square footage in the area so you go from being a very in a very small facility where you're renting to owning one of the largest if not the largest church facility in south county um sarasota um parts of uh, charlotte county i don't even know if charlotte county has a bigger church as big a church um as this one on the whole um so it used to be a mall it was uh, the Northport Mall. So it was set up to to be a shopping mall, which most churches, that's not the, the end game. So they don't really have that much square footage. But um, so basically when Tom and I were praying, we really felt like we saw some things trans, uh, transpiring, um, like little miracles along the way to, to make you go, hmm, like, is this the direction God wants us to go? Because this is just so bizarre that these things are occurring and they're working f in our favor um, for a property that wasn't on the market. So we did we did actually say, Lord, if this door, if we're not supposed to buy this building, God closed the doors so that it doesn't happen because we didn't want to put ourselves in a position of being out of his will. Even though things looked so miraculous and looked so good but it's such a big decision and it was such a big deal that we didn't want to make a mistake because if we made the mistake and it was and it affected just us then it's something we could eat but we were taking about 700 people with us at that time that's just adults that's not children so we're taking about 700 people along with us on a big mistake that we were just not willing to make. So we asked the Lord, close the door. The door never closed. We've been in this building. It's far surpassed, even though we've experienced damage from the hurricane, things like that. That's that's nothing. Um, it's far surpassed everything, and we know that we know that we know this was God's will for us. Now, there are simplistic times where you don't, I mean, let's face it, you don't need to ask fleece to for God to fleece you know, for you every single time you got to make a decision. Some people are so spiritually minded and they're no earthly good. So they, like everything they have to have, pray, Lord, close the door, close the door. Um, that's ridiculous. Go to his word, have a relationship with him enough that, um, that you can hear his voice clearly. And if he says, do it, do it. And it doesn't have to be this big deal because what you're wanting him to to open and close the door for you is such a small thing, right? But on big things, and you're just not sure, absolutely. Like if you're going to buy a house, if you're going to change your job, things like that, you're just not 
confident that your carnal nature will get in the way of being able to know that you know that this is what God's will is for you, um, I would say, yeah, that's when you might want to pray that prayer. So that if you take that new job and things don't go like you thought they were, well, at least you can say, Lord, um, I'm going to stick this out because I asked you to close the door and the door didn't get closed. So I'm confident in knowing that this is where you want me to be. And then you can just walk out whatever the worst case scenario is in it. And you can be confident in knowing like that that's what he wants. So, uh, so that yes, opening and closing doors, he does do it. It's in the word. Um, and just, uh, don't don't pray it all the time it's that would be ridiculous but absolutely i would do it and i have done it periodically so next question why is the bible dry when i read it and a um, parenthesis dry um that's a really good question because i can tell you i've heard this so many times either it's uh, it's 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 boring to me i don't understand it i'm confused um it's a bunch of gobbledygook. I don't know, like for me, all those those times when people have said that to me, uh, listen, truth is I am a true blonde and I am not the brightest light bulb in the box. I'm not the, you know, I, I, I'm just saying like, I didn't go past high school. Not that I barely passed high school because I passed with C's. But listen, learning is not my forte okay i am not a person that loves to just constantly be learning okay i have i mean i don't mind learning something new but i don't really care about learning something new all the time okay some people are just like they love education they love okay i'm not like that but if i can read the bible and it makes sense to me like it's not that difficult it's just not um it's the, it's the heart behind it. It's like you're going into it and like you just don't have the right frame of mind, I think, in some cases. Like uh, if, if, if this was something else that you were truly interested in, you'd get past not understanding something, right? Uh, if it's something that you truly were wanting to know problem is is it's just the heart behind it it's like you got no heart you it's like if i if i do it i do it if i don't i don't most of the time now is there people who have like uh difficulty in understanding things or reading comprehension issues yeah that's true but most of the time the people have said that have said to me um the examples that are they they're smart people it's just they just it's just not something higher on the priority list um, it's like somebody who says I'm too busy to, I was too busy to do this or too busy to do that when all actuality they're giving you excuse. If you really want to do something, you'll find time to do it. That's just true. So, um, I would ask you, um, if it's dry to you, if you don't understand it, I would ask you why that is. What is your walk with God like? How much effort do you put into the relationship with them? How often do you pray? How often have you tried to read the Bible? Are you, are you reading the King James Version, which is a lot of these thous and thuses? Okay, if that's the case, then go to a New King James and Amplified. Even um, go to an NIV if it's very hard for you. Because uh, there are, there are um, versions that are much easier to understand than the King James Version by far. Um, so stick with those. Um, I would say that uh, you're not supposed to read the Bible. You're supposed to study the Bible. Um, and so a lot of times you're not comprehending because you're just reading it. It's like most people will like read a chapter just so they can mark it off or check it off for, for what they did for the day. So you're sitting there and you're not even comprehending it while you're reading it. You're just trying to get, get it done. Uh, you're not going to understand it if that's the case. If you're just reading it, you're not going to comprehend it. You have to study it. In uh, 2 Timothy, it did not say read the word. It says study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It did not say 
to read it. It says to study it. Anytime that you learn anything or you grow in anything, it's because you study it. You spend time in it. You look into what things mean. Um, why, uh, why did Jesus say that parable that way? And to who was he saying it to? Okay, all those things are important. If you know or what was going on at the time when something is being said or done, who it's being said to or why it's being done, um, the manner in which things are done, the tradition or the, um, like, a, it's not even tradition. It's sometimes just the lifestyle of that period or the lifestyle of that region. A lot of times people look at the Bible and think that uh, Jesus was an American. No, Jesus was from the Middle East. He was a Jewish man. And there are customs and traditions of that time or for that faith or for that region. And to understand those things will open the Bible up to you. But if you read the word as an American, it will oftentimes not make sense to you. And that is the reason why you're having a hard time. It's because you're reading it, you're not studying it. You study the word and it will open up to you and you'll see the Bible in ways that you never thought possible. But the thing that that requires is this thing right here, you got to shut it off. You got to shut it off, you got to put it down. This thing right here, the computer, you got to turn it off and you can't, you can't look at it, right? You have to just get one-on-one -on -one with that Bible and spend, I know this may be shocking, but more than 15 minutes or five reading it. You have to study it. And that usually takes a good study time. Usually it's going to take you about an hour to break everything down and to clearly grasp what is being said in that particular chapter or um, that particular book. It'll change everything for you, okay? So don't read it. You study it, and that'll change everything for you. Next question. I'm reading my Bible about healing and manifestation of healing. I read the healing scriptures. I read the healing scriptures, and I command my body to rid itself of sickness and disease daily in Jesus' name. We are healed already by his wounds, the curse on the tree, and the promise he made. So you have a clear understanding of what the Word of God says, which is phenomenal because a lot of people don't even know that part of it, okay? Here's the thing. Let's finish the question. Please tell me, if we believe we are healed and have faith to move mountains, how is it after I read and pray, I reach for my pain cream, my supplements for pain, and even visit my doctor on occasion for that pain shot? Is it that is that such a lack of faith that my healing will never be manifested? Okay, I'm just going to tell you that um, you are. I, there are a lot of people that are watching this right now, and they're like, "Did I write that question? I don't remember writing that question." What you what you wrote is what so many people uh, feel. They are going to relate to this for themselves because it's a very common uh, question and thought process. And I'm going to just flat out tell you that, yes, healing is, is real. That everything you wrote, and I'm going to give you scripture, is uh, healing is for today. It's God's will to heal every time. By his stripes, you are or were healed. And is it such a lack of faith that your healing will not never be manifested? No, but there's some things that we're, I'm going to help you with. And hopefully you'll dig deep in the word for yourself. And um, then you'll receive or you'll get the manifestation of your healing because you're already healed. Your body, your carnal man, just hasn't tapped into the spirit man. And the spiritual part of you is healed. You just have to push both of them together. So, and, and go like this, and then you'll see the manifestation of your healing. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit this hard. Okay. The Bible is very clear about healing. Isaiah 53, 5 says, 
but he was wounded for our transgressions, meaning sin. He was bruised for our iniquities, again sin. That chastis- So we know that everyone believes in these two scriptures, or these two verses, or these two things right here. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. So we both, everybody gets that part. They go, that's mine. Salvation, that's mine. They believe that they are saved when they pray for the forgiveness of their sins, right? Nobody doubts that. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Present tense, you are healed. And it doesn't say, and by his stripes, sometimes you're healed, maybe you're healed. It does not say that. It says you are healed, period. Now, what's funny about this is, this is where people, they'll believe the, the chastisement, the transgression, transgression um, the iniquities part, or he was bruised for our iniquities. They'll believe all of that. They stand and they'll preach to people they need to be saved, that Jesus paid the price for them on the cross, that, they, that once they say that sinner's prayer, they're going to heaven. There's no doubt whatsoever. But you throw in, by his stripes we are healed, and that one's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. That's if it's his will that happens, which is hilarious because then they should throw that in with the first part, which is if it's his will, will you're saved. It's not how it reads. All of it is his will all the time. It's whether or not you want to believe it. That's just the facts. First Peter 2.24 says, he um, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, which is the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Past tense, you were healed. You are healed. All of it is healing is now. It's for you. It's been received through what was purchased on the cross. Okay, period. People don't want don't, don't to look at it like that. And what they're doing is they're adding and subtracting from the word. And the word is very clear that you are not to do that. The Bible is very clear. You do not to subtract or add to the Bible. But people do it all the time when it comes to healing. Because what happens is, is when people aren't healed, it is um, taking the onus off of them, the responsibility off of them for maybe a loved one not being healed that they love so much that they said had so much faith, whatever. It takes that off of their responsibility off of them, and it must be God. It can't be, can't be anything else. I mean, it's either a person that's not healed, and it's their responsibility, or it's God. So it's so much easier to say God just didn't want to do it. They're healed when they get into heaven. They'll, they'll receive their healing in heaven. Well, that's true, but that wasn't God's best. You know, it's very clear that um, in the Lord's Prayer that it says, as it is in heaven, right? So if, it's, if there's no sickness, disease in heaven, then we, when we, say that sinner, when we say that Lord's Prayer, whatever is in heaven is ours. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. So there's no sickness and disease for us here on earth. It's ours if we want to receive it. Healing is for us. I would say you are double-minded. It's very true. You are double-minded. Most people are. Not in everything. Um, sometimes you can believe and you receive whatever it is just like that. Because you believed wholeheartedly whatever you were praying for, you, it would come to pass. I mean, sometimes you sit there where I receive my healing this time why didn't I receive it my healing this time and the thing is is I would say well because this one might have been easier for you to believe for than this one because this one seems like such a bit much bigger deal I've seen so many healings over so many things from people that were terminal or uh, something that was you'll have to live with this for the rest of your life but it's not going to kill you but you'll live with it for your rest of your life to um, headaches Whatever, like small things to big things. Like all of it is all the same to God. The small thing, getting rid of a headache is no, or a cold is no different to God than getting rid of cancer or HIV. It's nothing to God. Both of them equally the same. Just like sin, all sin is equally the same. Some sins just have higher ramifications of penalty and um, that you, you know, you have to live with for the rest of your life. Um, 
sexual sin is considered the worst against your body, but um, it's no different than murder, okay? But if you get a sexually trans transmitted disease, um, it's way different than somebody who lied. Both of them equal sins, but higher, higher ramifications, right? So, um, so let, let's look at double-mindedness. James 1, 2 through 8 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to it all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask, and this is where it gets important, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. So is it possible for you to believe and doubt? Mm -hmm. It absolutely is, but it's very clear in the word. If you are double-minded, if you believe and you have doubt at the same time, it says, let that man suppose that he will receive anything. Okay, you're not going to, it says you'll, you'll not get anything. You'll receive nothing. And um, because as far as God's concerned, you're unstable. So, That's not a knock on the person that wrote this or anybody else who's double-minded. I think every person within the sound of my voice, including myself, deals and deals in, has to overcome doubt and double-mindedness. It's what do you do with it? How do you get rid of it? Um, and I'm going to give you some ideas. Um, I'm going to tell you what I do. That's all I can, that's all I can do is I can give you only my advice on what I do to help myself with doubt and unbelief. So what I do is I get in the word because Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to get rid of um, double-mindedness, then what you need to do and doubt, you get in the word and you read it and you study faith scriptures. Um, one of the greatest things you can possibly do is get in the four gospels and read every single time. Uh, Jesus healed and every single time single time Jesus healed um, or the person was healed what he asked them was is do you believe or do you have faith every single time when the man that came to him and says I believe but help my unbelief and that was when his um, child was um, having seizures he said help my unbelief and Jesus said I do you believe so right there all of it comes down to what you believe and what you have faith for. Um, and you just need to get rid of doubt and unbelief. People are so offended if you tell them they have doubt or unbelief. They're so offended by that. I don't understand why that is. If you understand why you're not getting healed, then you can do something about it. But if it's God and it's his will, it like, it like people will pray to be healed and they'll say that um, they'll pray for healing, but they'll say only if it's God's will. And my thing is, what's the point then? What's the point in praying? If it's God's will, then it'll happen. If it's not, then it won't. But why are you even praying? Because it's going to be God, whatever God wills anyway. Makes no sense whatsoever. I think it just makes people feel good. Um, like they might be doing something, but you have control complete control over the results in your life that you receive and this is one thing you've got a promise about and you can absolutely do everything about it it's how far you're willing to dig in and how far you're willing to examine yourself and see yourself in the truest of light and to um to acknowledge whether you have doubt and unbelief so that you can eradicate it and then you can see uh your faith manifest your healing. So the other thing you can do is you can watch your words. Life and death is held in the tongue. A lot of people, they don't ever listen to the words that they say. They never do. I'll give you an example of this. Um, when Jonathan Shuttlesworth was here, a lot of people saw my daughter. My daughter, um, she's uh, when she was about 10 or 11, she went into just shy of a diabetic coma. 
she went from being very, very healthy to being very sick in just a matter of days. And um, we didn't know at the time. Uh, she just took a downward spiral like within hours. She was feeling fluish, and then she went into a downward spiral. We rushed, her to the, we rushed her to the emergency room, and that's where we found out her sugar levels were almost at a diabetic coma level. Um, neither myself or Tom were ever scared. We were at complete peace. We stood in faith. At that time, when she was given that diagnosis, and I talk about this because Jonathan Shuttlesworth, Pastor Jonathan, when he was here um, preaching, he prayed over her. And um, it, we've always kept it kind of in our family. We're very cautious with words that are spoken. We're very cautious about um, things that we say. So we never um, deny what's true, but at the same time, we're very guarded about speaking life and death over situations. So, um, when she was diagnosed, she was diagnosed with three things. One was celiac, one was uh, a, a thyroid issue, and the other one was type one. Um, within the 48 hours of, maybe it was maybe a week, I, I'll take it to, so that it's just in case I'm wrong. Um, within a week's frame, time frame, a celiac disease, we prayed over all of these things to be gone. Celiac was gone within the week. Like when I went and bought her, I had to go and buy her all this food. Like she could not have gluten anymore. She couldn't have all these different things. And um, I remember buying it all, but I was like, you don't need to eat this. We're, we're standing in faith. Celiac is gone. You can eat anything you want. She ate anything she want. We went back to the doctor the following week. And he's like, she doesn't have celiac. Her test, back, test results have come back perfect. She's fine. She can eat whatever she wants. Miracle number one. Number two, uh, her thyroid. When she would go to the doctor, the doctor said, listen, she even had a goiter. And they told her that she would live with this forever. There was nothing that she could do about it. And she needed to take these pills. And my daughter said, I am not taking these pills. I will, um, I'm going to, God's going to heal me. This is a little girl. Um, when she turned 16 years old, I believe it was 16. She, you know, you have, they make you go to the doctor all the time. And she would get, they, they come down hard on her. And she's like, I'm standing in faith to give you all the blood tests. She's like, I'm not taking it. God's going to heal me. And people are mean. They're mean when you say you're going to stand in faith. Or they're mean when you don't want to talk about whatever it is that they feel like they have the rights to hear. You know, especially in, in a church when your parents are, um, the, your dad's the pastor or whatever. Everybody thinks they have rights to know all of your business. And my husband is extremely transparent, but in things like this, we're not transparent because we don't want people to speak death over situations. So um, when she was 16, she went to the doctor and her blood work came back perfect for thyroid, perfect. And um, the doctor asked, are you taking your thyroid medication? She's like, nope, I'm not. She's like, your thyroid is perfect. Your blood work is shows no signs of any thyroid issue at all your goiter is gone like your neck is perfect everything is perfect and Norma flat out told her doctor I was there when this happened it was pretty it was beautiful she said I told you God was going to heal me the doctor had nothing to say and this doctor was a little rough at times but she's a good doctor so and I thank God for doctors because my faith her faith Tom's faith hasn't always been there um we've won a lot We've won a lot, but we've lost some too. So thank God, because if I hadn't had the doctor there, or those doctors, the, when her blood sugar spiked like that, it would not have been a good situation. So, um, but we're still, we're believing and we're standing on the type one. Now those two previous ones, she's been completely healed of, and both of them we were told she would live with for the rest of her life. That's not the case. We've seen God take care of it. Type one we're still standing on. We believe. And people have used it against us. You're these, you're these faith people. Well, what about your daughter? And I say, that's on us. That's on us. It's our faith that hasn't gone where it needs to go in order to see that healing. But we will see it. And it will be a testimony to God's goodness. And the thing is, is people have been nasty to her because they want to talk to her about why she, she wears um, 
a thing on her arm so that she can keep track of her blood sugar. And people have been nasty because they feel like they have the rights for her. Like they want to talk to her about it. They want to ask her questions about it. My daughter will not talk about it. And the reason she doesn't talk about it is because the times that she has gone, goes down bad wormholes. Like they'll want to talk about and commiserate with whatever they've gone through or whatever a family member has gone through, whatever. My daughter wants no parts of that. As far as she's concerned, by his stripes, she is healed. Life and death is held in the tongue. And she will not eat the fruit of bad communication. Has she always handled every situation correctly when people have come to her? No, she's not. But when she's tried to be nice about it to people, um, the same response still happens. She doesn't want to talk about it. They push, push, push until finally she has to go. I'm not talking about it. And then they're rude. So I would tell people if they know somebody that's standing in faith over something and they don't want to talk about it, they want to let it be between them and God or the small pocket of people that they've chosen to stand with them because you need to be very careful about who you ask to pray with you, to stand in faith with you over a healing. You don't want God's will people praying with you because that's what they're going to pray is God's will. And God's will is that you're always healed. That's doubt and unbelief. You want people who know that by his stripes you are healed, that the manifestation is going to come, that the words that you speak, you speak life over that situation. Um, you bring life to that organ or that body part, whatever it is. Um, you have to be very careful about who you add into that small. Jesus only had three close people that he brought in to like uh, pray over things. Um, he wanted like-minded individuals. So he could have had the 12 come in to the, to the young girl that had passed away and the flute criers and everyone were standing outside. What did he do? He told them to go away and then he took his three partners, Peter, James, and John, up to that room with him and they brought that child back to life, okay? That, so be very careful. Uh, life and death is held in the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 is where that scripture is. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So words matter. They matter a lot. And I'm gonna tell you, they matter so much that it's, it's uh, I, I know from a family member, my father-in-law. My father-in-law was, uh, was a smoker. And so um, we begged him to not smoke anymore, but you know, people will do what they wanna do. Well, he got um, lung cancer and he came to us, I remember the day like it was yesterday, he came to the house and told us um, that he was um, diagnosed with lung cancer, that it was not good, um, that it was stage four at the time. And it all happened because he got pneumonia, he got in a cold and he went to the doctor and the doctor did a, an x-ray and that's where they found the spots on the lungs and some places throughout the body. So we told him at that time he was not saved. We told him, first thing you need to do is you need to get saved. And we led him to Lord in our kitchen. The next thing we told him is, is you have to watch your words. Everything you say is vitally important. But he was newly saved. And so some of it he understood and some of it he didn't understand. But uh, we began to pray and we, used to, we began to stand with him that the cancer would be gone and he'd be completely healed. And... Uh, so that actually happened. It was, um, I don't know, it was like a year long experience. And um, about six months in, uh, he, he went to the doctor and he, they found no cancer in his body. There was nothing. The doctors were like, we can't explain this. We don't know what's going on, but you are completely healed. I mean, you're, there's no cancer. He didn't say the word healed. They were like, you have no cancer. We don't know where it's gone. You can clearly see here on this x-ray, there's cancer. Now there is no cancer. We don't know why. We weren't lying to you, but you're, you're totally cancer-free. We rejoiced. He was elated. He saw God's hand move in a mighty way. My husband said to him, Tom said, now listen, life and death is held in the tongue. Watch your words because he, right before my husband said this to him, he goes, I hope it doesn't come back. My husband clearly said, don't speak those things. Well, he 
we weren't around them all the time. So lots of people, it's very, you have to be very careful who you allow speak into your life because they will bring in doubt and unbelief to your situation. So he was around a lot of reality people, a lot of people who um, just said a lot of negative things to bring doubt to him that, that this would come back. And it only took a matter of two months until the cancer was back in his body. And um, we knew why, and we knew who were the people that were speaking death over him. And he ultimately ended up passing probably about three or four months later. Um, But we saw cancer go and then cancer come back. Okay, that's because of words. They are powerful. Also, sometimes people think that they know and people will say, well, that's not the case for my Aunt Susie because she did have faith. She did believe and she wasn't healed. And I say say to you, you don't always know what's going on in people's hearts, minds, and thoughts. I'll give you another example. I knew a woman who had Lou Gehrig's disease. She was uh, up to the point she got it. She wasn't very strong in her faith. She admitted it. And she would always say, she said, I know why this happened to me. Because I said from being a very young woman that I would never live old. I knew I would die young. I didn't know why, but I just knew I would die young. And she goes, I repeated it all the time. I know I'm not going to grow old. And she goes, and she knew by this time because she'd gotten into teachings about faith because of this disease. She's like, I spoke this over myself. Yeah, you do. You do speak that over yourself. Because life and death is held in the tongue. So, um, she, she was fighting a good fight of faith, I will tell you that. But she tried her best. She progressed in her faith the best that she knew how. I remember spending the night with her in um, the hospital um, because she had gotten so sick. So I would spend the night with her and I would pray over her throughout the night. And um, one of the last times I spent the night with her, I remember her saying to me privately, she's like, my family doesn't know this, but she's like, would it be wrong for me just to tell the Lord that I'm ready to come home, that I'm, I'm just going to give up. Uh, this is too much for me. I'm very tired, and I'm just ready to go home. And I said, absolutely. If that's where you're at, and if you don't feel like you have a fight left in you, and you don't have what it takes to, to go the distance, there is, what's the worst? I'm like, so what? You didn't have the faith for it. You're still going to heaven. The best result is to, and I didn't say this to her but the best witness is to have the faith for the healing but if you don't have it then the worst case scenario is you go to heaven i mean that ain't a bad deal so she did she did she gave up she did tell the lord she was ready to go home and she died now what the family doesn't know, and I never told them. See, they believe that God failed. They won't believe me anyway. Otherwise, I would tell them this. But um, they believe that she did have faith. She believe, they believe that God, they believe God's will. And they believe that if it would have been God's will to heal her, she would have been healed because she had the faith to be healed. Fact of the matter is, is no one knows what someone says in the most private of times with the Lord. Nobody. You may think you know, but you don't know. And if I told these people what she had told me in private, they still wouldn't believe me. They actually would probably be like a woman when you tell them that their boyfriend or husband is cheating on them. They get mad at you for telling them that the person they're in love with is cheating on them. Like you're lying about it. Like what would you benefit from it? right but they still get mad at you that's how this situation would have ended up and i know that so there was no point in saying anything and i'm not going to say anything truth was is though she didn't have the faith she loved god with all of her heart and i believe without a doubt she's in heaven but if she would have had the faith and with no doubting she would be here today she's just ready to go home so i strongly hope that helps somebody that believes that aunt susie 
did believe and did have faith, you don't know that. Okay, you just don't know. Don't let someone else's circumstance define the word of God for you. The word of God is the word of God. And it might be life and death for you. And you might need to believe one day that beyond a shadow of a doubt that God heals so that it heals you. And God's will would be quite scary, I'll be honest with you. If you just had only God's will to go on with that, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have the ability for my outcome with what God's word says my outcome is, not based on this like mystery of whether it's going to happen or not. So, um, but listen, I will also tell you that sometimes your faith, you have to progressively grow in faith. And what you can do with that is I don't tell people to cut out the medications immediately. I, I, that's like, if you have the faith for that, go for it. But a lot of times people don't have that. So what I would say to you is progress in your faith, get in the word, dig deep. And once you feel like maybe I can take a chance on maybe if I'm taking the, the supplement pain cream. So you say, okay, I take that pain cream, pain cream every six hours. Maybe you say, okay, Lord, my faith, I'm going to extend my faith. I'm going to extend it out to eight hours. I'm going to see what happens in eight hours, Lord. I know that by your stripes I'm healed. Eight hours. I'm giving, I'm giving my faith eight hours. And then you progress, and eventually you won't need it at all. Progress in your faith. Don't cut. I, I'm not encouraging going cold turkey. Unless you have the faith for it, most don't. So progress. And if you're not facing anything to begin with, and you're feeling healthy as a horse, you have no issues whatsoever, but you also have no faith, what I would say, suggest that you start with is when next time you get a headache, if you get a headache or if you get a cold, don't go to the aspirin bottle. <coughs> don't run. <coughs> One second. Don't go to the aspirin bottle and don't go to the Sudafed. Fight it out. Walk it out with your faith. Like, don't give up. It's, it's, faith grows the more you, in, you use it. It increases. Um, and like, I can just tell you, I mean, I, Tom, like, he never got sick up until <clears throat> just before we got this building. Or, or were we in this building when he got sick that one time? We weren't in the, uh, uh, the other building. <coughs> I hadn't seen him sick in probably 20 years I mean, he never, and like if he did get sick and it started to tra- start coming on him, he'd go into his office, he'd close the door, he'd be with God, and like what started out, he'd be done in like two hours. Like people would be vomiting and stuff like that. He'd start feeling that queasy feeling. He'd start feeling like it's coming on him. He'd go in his office, he'd close his door, he'd walk out, and he'd be totally fine. He used to get migraines, and sometimes migraines try and come on him, and he would, at one time he would have a migraine and it would last like a day or whatever he got it to where a migraine if he started feeling it come on he he go in his office he can get rid of him in 10 minutes let that be you i mean <clears throat> who wants to be who wants the next stomach virus or the next flu to come around people just act like oh it's flu season and so they just accept it that they're going to get sick why why would you accept that nobody has to be sick you don't have to deal with headaches you don't have to deal with the common cold um, that's not for you. You're the righteousness of God. You have God's uh, healing at your disposal. Like, activate it. Don't just accept it. That's craziness to me. Un- unacceptable. So start out small and work your way to the big. Mind your words. Watch them. Don't let anyone around you speak life or death over you. If somebody starts speaking something that is contradictive to the word of God or they just want to be nosy, do not entertain them at all and get in the word. If you have to put um, Bible scriptures all around your room. Hey, listen, I listened. I, I felt like something was coming on me last week. All I did was listen to scriptures. I put Rodney Howard Brown, his scripture verses on YouTube. I played them over and over and over again um, while I slept. And then I also listened to a lot of teachings. Got Kenneth Hagan on, just started listening to a lot of teachings. And it changes you. 
It just does. Um, I listen to a lot of Andrew Womack. A lot. Um, I don't know if I listened to him last week, but I listen to faith teachings. So it builds my faith. So I have expectation and I know what's mine. So just take more of the word in and less of the world in. Okay? That's what you got to do. Um, it's it's only one letter difference, right? World, W-O-R-L-D, word, W-O-R-D. Yeah, get, get rid of the L, stick with the word. So, um, <clears throat> next question. Is divorce allowed in case of physical abuse? If not, what to do if the wife physically abuses her husband or the husband physically abuses uh, his wife? You must be some kind of woman if you're the one physically abusing your husband. <laughs> Or he's scrawny. <laughs> it happens. I do know. Well, a scrawny or a little woman can take a bat to any big guy. I mean, if he's like, oh, man, you got problems, dude. The word does not say you can divorce over abuse. The word only has two reasons for divorce. Adultery and abandonment. And I know. There will be people that contradict this. Well, no, my pastor said if you're in a physical, if you're if, if you're physically being, um, uh, what is it called? Physically being abused, but there's another word for it. Assaulted. Oh, yeah, assaulted, whatever. If if your if your um, body's in danger, then you're allowed to divorce. Well, find that in the word, because I don't see it. I never have. I mean, I've heard these teachings before, and there's not one scripture that goes behind it. I'm not saying you stay in an abusive relationship. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you can't divorce for an abusive relationship, okay? I would never stay in a house where my butt was getting kicked. It's not going to happen. I like my butt too much. But <clears throat> we know that adultery and we know that abandonment, okay? The scripture for um, uh, abandonment is... Um, in 1 Corinthians 7.15, we all know the ones about divorce. We all know it, okay? But most people don't know about abandonment. 1 Corinthians 7.15 says, But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So if he leaves or she leaves, let him leave. You're not obligated. And it says you can divorce for it, okay? But... Physical abuse is not one of those, okay? You can separate for physical abuse. You cannot divorce, okay? So if you feel like your life is being threatened, go your separate ways. Find a place that you can be safe in, and uh, hopefully you guys can reconcile once the cray-cray is out of the individual trying to beat you. Um, but you you can't divorce, Um um, or you could divorce, but you can't remarry. And that's one of the things that it says in the word. Like if you divorce for unbiblical reasons, then you don't get to remarry. Okay. But I would just separate, pray for that person and that they become saved. I've heard of stories where this is the case that they weren't, people were in abusive relationships and they got back together, um, after that was done. God's the only thing that can take care of that, though. You need to know that. And I've already addressed this, but fits of rage is a sin. So if someone is is beating up somebody or if you're physically, and sometimes it's not even beating the crap out of each other. It's just um, you guys get so mad that the woman starts just punching the guy or the guy like just kind of pushes the girl. That's a fit of rage. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says the acts of the flesh are ob uh, obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. We already, in another podcast before this, talked about it in Romans. Okay? It is throughout the scripture. Fits of rage. You hitting, you responding with physical violence in any way is a fit of rage. You are in sin. And if you continued on with it, you won't go to heaven because it is a sin that is a lifestyle. And, um, I mean, that's just the way it is. You got to stop it. You don't have the rights to hurt, put your hands on anybody, let alone it is a, it's sin. So knock it off. 
got, get a hold of yourself. One of the um, one of the fruits of the spirit is self control. Everybody has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, so everybody can control themselves when they grab a hold of that one fruit and use it. Use it. I strongly advise. You'll make your life a lot happier. Okay, last five minutes. I am going to uh, give everybody a chance to, to come to, uh, to know the Lord. If you are not saved, or if you've walked away from God and you want to be saved again, now's your opportunity. After we do this, I have a little guest with me um, to talk about something amazing that God did through them to, th- to them through giving that you need to hear. Okay, I love to give examples because people do way better with examples than they do with just, you know, saying the Bible says. If you see what the Bible says in action, then it might propel you to actually do what the Bible says. So let's, um, let's do the um, salvation first, and then next we will do um, the giving. So if you do not know him, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your chance to change your life for the better in ways that you never dreamt possible. And it is simple as saying it's the sinner's prayer. So let's do this together right now. Simply repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. And Father, from this moment on, I live for you. And when I die, I will go to heaven and be with you forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Now, are you going to come on over here? Come on over. This is my buddy, Jer. Now, I'm going to lean in, Jer. Yeah. I know your wife really well. Very well. She's my producer. Tracy, this is Tracy's husband. Tracy was the one that had the long blonde hair for the commercial that she said, you might not have understood what she said, but she said, how did you say this, Tracy? Not happy about that. Oh, I'm not happy. Thank you. I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about this at all. Um, so this is Tracy's husband, Jer. Uh, Jer has a great, I mean, this story last year, this is relevant because this was just last yeah, year, right? right? Yeah. Last year, they, their whole family went through a pretty, uh, not tough, but I would say a big, huge faith walk. And at times it seemed like, when is this going to end? Right. Everything you, time you thought it was ending, it ramped itself back up. And but God has come through in a mighty, mighty way, even better than you probably thought yeah. or expected, right? So yeah. I'm gonna have him share the story. It's my first guest on my show. <laughs> Handsome guest. Yes, and it's a dude, guys. Yeah. So. Um, where should I start? Um, well, we have a business, and I think in 2021 we went through a situation where we basically separated from an unhealthy partnership uh, in business. During that process, we we experienced uh, people leaving, you know, things getting reset in the business, trying to figure out where to pick up all the pieces. During that time, I mean, that's one of the scariest things we've ever been through. You know, you get, it's almost like a divorce, but for business. But during that time, one of the things I think I heard you say in the last episode was give when it's hard. Uh, or if you're going through something hard, really, that's a great time to give more. Yep. One of the first things I did, and I thought I was crazy, but I did it, is I wrote... So we were gonna have to deal with lawyers. I wrote a the most the biggest check I've ever written in my life. Basically, I wrote a ten thousand uh, dollar tied to the church before I had a twenty thousand dollar lawyer's bill, and we only had X amount of dollars in the bank. So, what I wanted to show God was that I trusted Him even when it felt like I was gonna fall apart writing that check. I did it with a happy heart. It's just like when you're letting go of something like that. I just said, "This is where I know you're real." And I'm going to prove it. So I wrote the biggest check I've ever written. During that process, we got, we went through about eight months of uh, back and forth. And here's what's one of the biggest things that God did in that is he sent a, a Christian business owner, basically, to come in and help us fight to save our business. And, you know, the person ended up having a multi, multi-million dollar company. And he basically stood behind us and said, I will not let this person steal your business. I'm going to stand with you gave us great advice to even grow our company so that was one year 
the following year, the the next year after we had that victory, we're like, cool, everything's great. You know, <laughs> that's all behind us. Well, someone stole our Google business pages, whereas where we get 30% of our business. They decided to pretend to be us, took our pages, changed the service areas to like San Juan, Mexico, Alaska, and basically made the phones go silent for a month. During that time, again, we're like, How, what are we going to do? And we had just decided to tithe off of our business, literally, I think, the month before. So I got on stage, talked about it, how good God was through that previous year. And then this year, all of a sudden, we, we go and our pages are gone. We, we have no access to our customers anymore. Just disappeared. Third, you know, five years of business basically gone. So we continue to walk in faith. During that process, God literally opened up another market for us. So where we lost 30% of our business in our current area, Tampa, which is our new area, we started that January, made up for that 30%. Literally, easy as can be. Like, it took years to build it in the other area. It took maybe a month or two to get that amount of calls in Tampa. So that's one part of it. We got our pages back at the towards the end of the year. Uh, the person had to admit they took them, and they had to compensate us for that. But even in to on top of all that, at the end of the year, this is what really blew it, because you get your end of the year numbers. We didn't just beat the previous year's numbers, we beat it by almost half a million dollars. And if I would tell myself something at the beginning of all that, obviously I'm saying trust God, it could have been such a fun, exciting thing. If you really trust God, like yeah. if you look at my hat, it says into the storm. If you really believe that, take that storm head on and say, let's go, God, let's let's take this on. Yeah. It changes how, like, there would have been no anxiety. There would have been no fear, no, nothing, you know, holding me no back. No stress. No stress. I would have just, I turned into a lion. It's so funny. Like, I feel like a, a big guy and tough, and I used to fight all the time when I was a kid. And you really go through the things that you're taken through to grow you, I think, to, to build you into who you're supposed to be in Christ. Like, I feel like I turned into a, a mighty warrior, a lion, but with a, a kinder heart and a tougher spirit. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like you, you get battle-hardened going through these things. Mm -hmm. But with a different mindset, like you understand how good God is and what he's actually going to do. So if you're in a situation where you're facing something hard, I'd definitely say put your faith you know, behind something. We, we tied that first $10,000 check right off the bat. And that was like, I think that's what set everything loose. I just thought everything was going to be perfect and easy because I did that. But I had stuff to get out of me. I had to, to grow as a, as a business owner, a, a warrior. So those things take steps. And that's where it built me into, I think, where I'm heading. So that's what I say. Give. So what I would say to you is, okay, so that $10,000, it was a 100-time fold that you get got back plus? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that seed that you planted that was so difficult, when it ended up, when you when that person that stole your pages yeah. paid you back, yeah. it was more, it was 100-plus yeah. fold of yeah. what, you what you sowed. Yeah. 10000 was so tough. But had you not sowed that seed, maybe you wouldn't have got it. And right. I would also ask you this, and then we'll let, uh, it go because we far exceeded our hour but I would say to you so many people quit oh, they gosh. never ever get to where you got because they quit and I'm yeah. sure there are people watching that that you say you can easily I, I can tell you um, earlier in my walk with God when things got tough I was just like forget it it's yeah. too tough it's too rough I'm not doing this I'm done um, and there, I'm sure that there are a lot of people that can totally relate to that and I know you wanted to quit. Oh yeah. And like, but there's no victory. Yeah. There's no winning in quitting. Yeah. So I, I will personally tell you, one of the things that I hate most is quitters. Yeah. I hate quitters. <laughs> you're weak. Yeah. You're very weak because you're weak um, personally. Yeah. And on top of that, you're weak spiritually. Right. And so you never win when you quit. So. The victory is in never giving up. So giving I had to up. wear a bracelet for a bunch of years that said literally on it, never give up because I needed that reminder. So if you have to write a scripture on the fridge or yes. somewhere on a window, put it in your face on your car, have that scripture, hold on to it, get a bracelet that says never give up. 
because once you get through that, you're a different person, you're, you're stronger, and then you get the victory and the reward on the other side. And you're not created to be defeated. You're created to victory. So yep. never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Amen. So I hope that helped somebody. And listen, plant. if you need a harvest in order to get the harvest, the you seed. have to sow the seed. Yep. So plant the seed. Sow the seed starting today. There are places that you can give. I only suggest three. Foundation Church, Revival Today, and the River Tampa. You sow into those three places, you're going to get a big, big return because it matters where you give. Amen? Amen. Thank you for watching, and we will see you on Wednesday. Have a great week. Real talk.